We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of the Top Dogs Podcast here on the Field of 68 Media Network. My name is Rob Doster. We're presented by our partners over at Bet MGM. UConn knocks off St. John's 69 to 65 in Rick Patino's first visit back to Hartford uh, as a Big East head coach. Uh, bounce back win, despite the fact that Donovan Kling is going to be out for three to four weeks with a foot injury. Uh, it was nice to see Samson Johnson come in and perform well. It was nice to see UConn bounce back in the second half after what was an ugly first half performance. Uh, and all around, it is good vibes as the Huskies head into a nine-day layoff to try to be able to figure some things out here um, a little bit. So uh, before we dive into specifically what happened in this game, I just want to talk big picture. Donovan Klingon out three to four weeks. Uh, I think the, the official definition is a strained tendon in his right foot or a sprained tendon in his right foot or something. He's got he's got a foot issue and uh, he is going to miss some time with it. I think it is very smart for them to take as much time as possible. We've been over this before with the, the, the Steph Castle knee thing and with the previous previous Donovan Klingon foot injury. Um, when you're dealing with guys that have the potential to be able to earn eight figures because of. Uh, things that they can do athletically and they are dealing with issues with lower body extremities, whether it's knees or ankles or feet. Uh, you need to be very careful about the way that you handle those in injuries, the way that you deal with that stuff long-term and the way that you uh, deal with the wear and tear that is involved with all of that. So being extra careful, I think is probably the smartest way to be able to handle that. Now, if you look at what, um, what the timeline is for this, right? Three to four weeks from today, three weeks from today would be, uh, I believe, January 13th. Four weeks from today would be January 20th. So uh, the next four games on UConn's schedule, first and foremost, the next game on UConn's schedule is DePaul, which is Tuesday, January 2nd. Um, that is going to be a nine-day layoff uh, before they get the single easiest game that you are going to get in Big East play. Um and then you get Baylor, uh, I'm sorry, Baylor, Baylor. You get Butler on the road on January 5th. So effectively, they have two weeks to be able to figure out what they're going to do without Donovan Klingon 
available um, to them, which I think is uh, about the best case scenario that you could ask for if you are UConn in this very specific situation. Um, I think that there are going to be two things that they try to do. One of them is to be able to get Yusef Sangare uh, a little bit more up to speed and ready to be able to contribute. Um, I don't think the drop-off is from Donovan Klingon to Samson Johnson as much as the drop-off is from Samson Johnson to your third-string five-man. Uh, it's not all that often that you are going to have three five-men at the college basketball level that are going to be ready to impact the college basketball game, um, especially a Big East level game. So being able to get him uh, to the point where he can provide you with five to eight minutes, five fouls, uh, and not have it be something where he is uh, a liability is huge. I thought that he was fine in the minutes that he played, and I thought it was also obvious that he was uh, a freshman in the minutes that he played. Um so I think that's one of the keys. The other option, which I think is probably going to be the better option, um, is develop the lineups where you have Alex Caravan playing at the five. Um, you lose all elements of rim protection if you do that. But I do think that the idea of playing a five-out style where you have a floor spacer at the five that uh, is six eight with a little bit of a long wingspan is something where you can make it very, very difficult to guard you. We've seen things with death lineups before, right? Um, and I do think that that is something that is at, at the very least worth repping out in practice to see uh, if it makes sense. We've seen it in flashes in the last two games, uh, and I would love to see some extended minutes with it in a game at home against the DePaul team that lost by 36 to Villanova tonight. So um, give it a chance see if it works. If it doesn't work, then I'll stop talking about it. But I would love to be able to see Alex Caribbean getting minutes uh, at the five. Um, in terms of the what Klingon is going to miss, you get DePaul at home January 2nd. You got Butler on the road January 5th. You got Xavier on the road January 7th. And you got Georgetown at home January 14th. They, they are lucky that in the time that Klingon is going to be out, the two two of the easy the the single two easiest games that you're the single the two easiest games that you're going to get on your schedule in Big East play will both be played uh, in that time period. Um, we talked about it before on this pod, but uh, the UConn UConn's league schedule is as backloaded as backloaded could possibly be. These are the last six games that they play: uh, Marquette at home, Creighton on the road, Villanova at home, Seton Hall at home, Marquette on the road, Providence on the road. That's ridiculous. Um, they don't play a team that is one of the projected top five teams in the Big East until January seventeenth. Uh, that is going to be Creighton at home. Um, and there is a chance that Donovan Klingon will be back for that game. Um, that is four weeks from when he actually suffered the injury. So uh, if you want to do the math on that one and, and try to figure that out, um, I don't know if that'll happen, but uh, I do think that it would be very helpful if you had your seven foot three wall of Bristol available when you were going up against Ryan Kalkbrenner and the Creighton Blue Jays. So, um, I guess that should probably take us into what we saw tonight. And I think the biggest talking point is the performance of Samson Johnson, 16 points, four rebounds. Three of them were offensive. He had a block. Um, and I think his ability as a rim runner and as a roller was something that 
was really quite effective in this game. Now, what St. John's did uh, defensively was, I mean, it was kind of twofold, right? Um, they spent a lot of time playing that that matchup 2-3 zone, which is classic Rick Pitino. Uh, what, what he loves to do is throw out that 2-2-1 press, uh, which isn't exactly designed to try to force turnovers. It's designed to try to make you take a little bit of time off the clock. Um, so that you you get over half court at about like 22, 21 seconds, so that then you get into your offense and you have to sit there and you have to figure out, okay, are they in a regular 2-3 zone? Or are they in their matchup 2-3 zone? Is this just a man-to-man? Is it a matchup 2-3 zone that is going to go to man-to-man when there's 10 seconds left on the clock? Is it a regular 2-3 zone um, that is going to be sitting back? Is it something where it's man-to-man that they're switching everything? Like they have so many different defensive looks that they can throw at you that it gets very complicated playing against them. Part of why um part of why Patino is so good is because he makes it so difficult to figure out what the fuck he is doing on the defensive end of the floor. Um and we saw a lot of that tonight. Uh when when St. John's dropped back into that two three matchup zone, I think in the first half, that's when you saw UConn really kind of have a lot of trouble figuring out what they wanted to do offensively and how they were going to be able to uh to work things out on um, on that end of the floor. Uh, there were a couple instances where things looked pretty good. Like there was the Steph Castle got one opportunity where he got a lob for Samson Johnson. There was another one where um, they were able to light, isolate somebody at the high post, but all in all, it was kind of what you would expect going up against um, a St. John's uh, a Rick Patino defense. The other thing that they did was uh, really focused on trying to run um, – run UConn shooters off of the three-point line and really get out and pressure them on the perimeter. Uh, And my guess is that the reason that St. John's did that was because they didn't trust Samson Johnson to be able to do what Donovan Klingon does in the post, right? When you have Klingon down there, you got to have your weak side defenders pay a little bit more attention to the big fella than you do when it's a guy that struggled the last two games. And and the ability of Johnson to be able to make them pay for that, had, well, one, it was the reason why UConn was able to keep that thing close in the first half when they were on the verge of getting blown out. Um, and two, uh, it, it just it it created an outlet when you were able to get some of those open side ball screens that that they ran. A lot of it that was in the second half. Like in the first half, they tried to do the stuff in the middle of the floor and it didn't really work. In the second half, it was a lot more of the open side ball screens, like the the one where. Samson Johnson had one of the worst travels I've ever seen that wasn't called. Uh, it was just an open side ball screen where St. John's was hugged up on the shooters on the strong side of the floor. And and I think it was Newton was able to flip it over his shoulder. And Samson took 27 steps and uh, was able to take off down the runway and and, uh, and got the wide open dunk. Um, so the adjustments worked uh, for all the people that say that, that Dan Hurley can't coach and that Dan Hurley can't win close games. Uh, he tweaked a bunch of stuff in the second half and was able to find a way to beat Rick Patino, one of the best coaches in college basketball history, without his best player and without the defensive anchor on his roster. Um, I will say, though, that there are still these last two games, I think, have highlighted some of the, I don't want to say concerns, but some of the questions that I had about this group coming into the season. Um the biggest one, and and I had I had a coach text me this while the game um, was actually happening. It, the 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 question that he asked was, "Who is the dog D A W G on 
this UConn roster. And I think, I think I agree. And, and, and what the question is, it's not necessarily like, who are you going to give the ball to at the end of a clock? Because we know that it's going to be Tristan Newton. It's, it's more, where does, who is the leader? Who is the alpha? Who is the guy that is not going to accept the level of, I don't want to say the level of effort and caring, but the, the level of intensity that wasn't there against Seton Hall and wasn't there in the first half against St. John's because last season, UConn had three of those dudes, right? Like you better be busting your ass when you're playing or Andre Jackson was going to cuss you out. Um, You had to, you better be out there playing as hard as you could because Adama Sonoga was, was uh, ready to be there to let you know about it in the locker room afterwards. Uh, Jordan Hawkins probably wasn't as much of a, a yeller or a screamer, but he was a guy who was a presence um, and provided that level of like the what's the cliche, the leadership, the doing it the way that I do it, and and, and leading by uh, example, right? Um, they had three alphas last year, and I do think that there is an element of the last the 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 first three halves of Big East play. The, the 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 game against Seton Hall in the first half against St. John's, there was an element of UConn got punched in the face a little bit, and some of those guys were out there looking around, waiting for somebody else to do something as a result to to kind of swing back instead of going out and doing it themselves, if that makes sense. And what was really nice to see at the start of the second half was that, um, I mean, you got the three from Cam Spencer, you got the and one from Tristan Newton where he stared down Dennis Jenkins and cussed him out and said some things that probably couldn't be repeated on this podcast. Um, and they were and UConn was able to make that. I think it was like an 8-0 run, and they pushed the lead out to six there, was it? I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but um, I think that that was something that was uh, important um, to be able to establish, right? Like, I still believe that Tristan Newton has to be that guy, right? Like he's had, he's putting up all American numbers and he's had some all American performances, but I don't think that he was, I, I thought he was pretty bad at Seton hall. And I don't think he really played well against St. John's until the second half. I don't think that he was very good in the first half. He got more aggressive in the second half. And that to me is what he has to be. Um, I thought Cam Spencer was, was really good in this game again, and he's got to be the other guy, right? So the, the other part of it is that you can't, I don't think Tristan is necessarily built for being the dude that everything runs through on every single possession. I think he is a guy that needs some reps as kind of a second side ball handler where somebody else is the one that's in the ball screen of the DHO. And he's the guy that's spacing the floor and then has the opportunity to attack a closeout. And Cam Spencer is the guy that affords that to him. Um, So I think those two, like, they got to play the way that they did tonight. And I thought that they were, uh, in the second half particularly, they were just terrific. Um, Stephen Castle started to figure it out at the end of the first half. It looks like he's still adjusting a little bit to the size and physicality of some of the best teams in college basketball. Uh, I don't think he's quite there yet, um, whatever there means but I, I think that he's still adapting to being a division one college basketball player at the high major level which is perfectly understandable that's the that is the uh the path that freshmen are supposed to take like freshmen are supposed to be freshmen and do freshman things and right now he is being a freshman and doing freshman things um you can see what he can be in flashes the 
the zone offense that they ran where he caught the ball and it was basically like a touch pass where he caught it and threw the lob up to Samson Johnson for the dunk in the first half was the the quickness with which he made that read was elite. Um, He had a drive in the second half. I believe UConn was up by three and he had Glenn Taylor on him and he went to his left and he took two dribbles and he just came to a jump stop and he just pump faked and then overpowered a guy that is, I believe a junior six foot seven wing. Um, It's more, it's things like that. There were times where he tried to drive into Joel Soriano got blocked. Like he just, he hasn't quite gotten there yet, but you can see it in the moments when he, he shows it that once he does, he is going to be something special. So, um, Keep getting in the in the gym and, and working on that jump shot, man, because uh, he has some of the ugliest jumpers I've ever seen in my entire life. The release doesn't look that bad, but it ends up hitting the backboard before it hits the rim, and that's never a good sign. So um, I don't think he's ever going to be a great shooter this year, maybe down the road, but uh, he, he's not quite there yet, but I think that he will get there. Um, and then Alex Carabin, man, like I, I think it's confidence thing with him. I don't really know what it is, but – uh, he's not shooting the ball great. He had a big one in the second half today, but on the season, he is uh, under 33% from beyond the arc after shooting 40% last year. And I don't know if this is um, if this is a mental thing when he gets in games. I don't think it's still the finger injury that's, that's, that's doing this to him because everything I hear from the staff is that uh, it's, it's, he's making them in practice, right? Like it's not like he's shooting a lower percentage when he's doing the workouts, like he's shooting just as well in practice as he is, as he ever was it's just, it's not going in during game. So uh, I fully believe that this is just something where it's eventually going to regress from the mean, like he's going to have one game where he goes like six for seven, and then he's going to be off and running the rest of the season. But I think he just needs to see a couple of them go in. And I do think it's affecting the rest of his game. Like he's not as physical going to the basket as he was earlier on this season. He's not quite as, um, as confident with the dribble, like there were a couple times in the second half today where he was just going to his left hand and the ball was like bouncing all over the place. So uh, he's got to kind of put it together a little bit. And I think that he will eventually, like he's too good of a basketball player not to, but I think it's, you know, he just, he's got to get into a rhythm and he's got to get into confidence and and he's got to kind of, uh, I think it's just as simple. He's got to see a couple go through the basket, but um, you know, again, Samson Johnson is is I don't think that you can say enough about the performance that he had. Being able to to be that 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 finisher at the basket was something that is just so 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 important with the offense that UConn runs. And last thing, last point I want to make is like I've seen some some hate for Asan Diara come across the timeline. Like like one thing I I have heard as a criticism of the program is they should have done more in the portal, and I don't. I don't necessarily I don't I don't agree with that at all. Like I I think that uh when they are entirely healthy, UConn is a team that goes eight deep. And I think that is the ideal for a college basketball team is to go eight deep. I think that uh as you see Jalen Stewart and Jaden Ross kind of figure things out, I think there's the potential for um for more depth and to be able to have other guys that are going to be able to step into some of those roles and, and play some of those minutes if needed. Um, but I think that if you look at what they have on the roster, you know, they only really needed someone to fill the Cam Spencer role. That's why they went so hard after Nick Timberlake. And obviously they got lucky not getting him and, and getting Cam Spencer instead. But uh, 
I just think Solo Ball and Stefan Castle, like those are kind of, I don't want to say the weak links because that is the wrong way to phrase it, but those are the freshmen that are not performing at the level of a of an upperclassman yet. And if you go into the portal and let's just say instead of, uh, instead of playing those two, they went into the portal and they got another senior and another junior to play minutes off the bench and for solo ball and Steph Castle to kind of be doing what Jalen Stewart and Jaden Ross are right now. And um, one, uh, those guys would not like that. They would absolutely not be back uh, even if they weren't going pro um, Two, it would limit the continuity that you would find, right? Like, look, Tristan Newton's gone after this year. Cam Spencer's gone after this year, right? I know Stephen Castle is going to leave too, but you need to be have be able to have a guy like a solo ball that can kind of be that uh, that continuity piece, that can be that continuing factor, that can be that guy that can develop within the program. And I think you have to be able to provide freshman minutes if they're going to, one, develop, and two, want to come back to the school. And three, if you want to be able to get those guys in the future. Like the reason why UConn won the title is because they went out and they got three top 50 freshmen in Andre Jackson, Adama Sonogo, and Jordan Hawkins and let them work through some of their mistakes and develop within the program and within the offense and within – uh, within the rotation. And you got to be able to do that if you want to build long-term. Sometimes it's going to mean you have guys that are freshmen that are going to do freshman things in January and December. By March, hopefully they'll have those things worked out. Uh, and Asan DR, like, you're looking for a backup point guard that is going to come in and play 15 minutes as a pest defensively, as a guy that can run ball screens, and as someone that is going to bust their ass for every second that they are on the floor and not complain about it as a red shirt junior, red shirt senior. I can't remember what he is off the top of my head, but um, I don't think that you going into the portal, you're going to find a guy that is willing to accept that role that can do it better than a Sandiar. Yes, it would be unbelievable if you can go into the portal and get like Ray J. Dennis to come in and be willing to play the backup point guard role to Tristan Newton and the backup two guard role to Cam Spencer. But that ain't going to happen when Ray J. Dennis can go get starter minutes somewhere else for another top 20 ish kind of a team. So I, I don't, I, I think that this is kind of the way that you have to deal with it, right? Like some years you're going to have nothing but veterans on the roster and you're going to be able to go out and win a national title. And then some years you're going to have to play freshmen in those minutes and you're going to have games where those freshmen look like freshmen. You're going to sit there and wish, hey, man, I've, wouldn't it be nice if we had like one or two more veterans? But it is what it is, man. You got to be able to – can't just think about this year. You got to think about the long-term uh, health of the program. But listen, uh, this has been me rambling enough. Um, hell of a win. Great to get back on the winning side. Uh, nine days until the next game. That's going to be DePaul. So another almost two weeks until the next time we have a real game that we got to pay attention to. That will be at Butler. Hopefully at some point in the next week – uh, I'll get another podcast out. I'm, I'm going to try to get a guest that uh, can provide some insight into this UConn team that is not just me sitting here spewing my thoughts. Um, so I hope everyone enjoys their holiday. I hope everyone enjoys the time with the family. I hope everybody drinks plenty of this. And uh, yeah, so what I'm going to do here now um, after this, uh, this, this, this ad from one of our sponsors is throw in the segment from Doug Gottlieb and Matt McCall and myself breaking down the UConn St. John's win from after dark on Saturday night. Uh, we're going to cut to that now. So happy holidays. Enjoy the time with your families and enjoy the time with your friends. As you guys know by now, we've partnered with BetMGM Sportsbook for this college basketball season. We're going to be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks and predictions throughout the college basketball season. And we are going to have special offers for you, the listeners and the viewers on the field of 68 each and every week during 
the season. If you haven't signed up with BetMGM yet, use the bonus code FIELD1500 and you will get up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager on BetMGM Sportsbook. Here's what you got to do. Download the BetMGM app. Sign up using the bonus code FIELD1500. Deposit at least $10 and place your first wager on any game. You will receive up to $1,500 in bonus bets if that bet loses. Just make sure you use the bonus code FIELD1500 when you sign up. And remember, BetMGM is now available under one wallet in select states. As a New Jersey resident, this is super convenient for me when I have to go cover games in New York or Philly. When cross the state borders, just log into your existing account instead of having to create new accounts in each state that you go to. And most importantly, I got to let you know, we do have some fun stuff coming up for this college basketball season. Bet insurance tokens, college hoops odds boosts, my personal favorite, parlay odds boosts. So download the BetMGM app today. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, Movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. All of that, boys. UConn 1. Can you see what that is right there? Can you read that? Uh, Some kind of dark IPA. Okay, some kind of – it's not a Coors Light. I know that. It's definitely not a sexual jams. It's called sexual jams. Can you see that, McCall? There we go. We're going to pour it up. We're celebrating a nice W today. UConn beats Rick Pitino at St. John's in his first trip back to the Big East. Doug, I'm going to you first on this one, man. What do you you make of this UConn team without Donovan Klingon? And uh, Samson Johnson stepped in. I think it was 18 points he had. I think it was a pretty impressive performance for him going up against a guy in Joel Soriano who was an all-Big East caliber big guy. 
Uh, first thing is, have we determined what's going on with Rick Pitino's hair color? Do we have a, do we, we, we discuss a little bit. It, it's a, it's like a Sandy Brown there. It's like, man, somebody, somebody's that, that's when like everybody's scared of coach. Like, man, you tell him, I don't want to tell him. You tell him, you know, you know somebody it's like when Brad Underwood went to Illinois and his hair got just I'm a little bit orange, you know, I guess the color of the school that you go, it just wants to match in with the uniforms. That's what it is. The red storm. I get it. I, I, I get it. Um, th- there is the, 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 eerie parallels to last year, right? Where they dominant non-conference and all of a sudden you get in the league and, and get get curb stomped the other night and now you survive St. John's. So that's, I think, some of it. They're not going to be as good without Donovan Klingon because he's that good. But, um, you know, I, I just didn't... I mean, look, it's th- these games are always hard because it's right before break. I'm sure, despite the fact that they struggled, at least on some level in Big East play last year, it's still it's hard to get the fact that they're St. John's and St. John's hasn't been great outside of the make the Michigan win to start the year as well. So there's some of that, but they don't really have a dude like Tristan Newton had been playing a level probably above how good he actually is, but they don't have a takeover a game guy. They just don't. And without Klingon, now all of a sudden, look, you start to go to your bench. And it's not as much, obviously, when the guy that replaced him goes for 18, you're like, okay, but now whoever his backup is is your third string big guy. So mm-hmm. no one has depth in college basketball. It just doesn't exist. They're one of the deepest teams. And even they go about seven or eight, you know, in terms of quality player. But I think when you consider how quickly you had to turn around after, after getting beat pretty handily, um, the fact that you are going to be different, especially the defensive end, maybe more so than the offensive end. Um, I still think they got into some of their stuff, and it's not a perfect team. I don't think anybody thought they would be as good as they were last year, and they're probably not. I think some of their early season success is probably a little bit more surprising because of some of the losses last year. That's, uh, But, again, the landscape of the sport is I still think they'll have a chance to win it because – uh, you know, they didn't actually beat a lot of the, any of the top teams to win the national championship last year. And even the top teams we saw, we'll get to Arizona. Like, they're not dominant. They don't have a dude. So within this sport, they're not as good when you lose your center. And then, of course, when your backup becomes your starter, now his backup, that's a major step down. They have to change how they do things, especially the defensive end, because he's such a presence at the rim. St. John's, obviously, this is a game in which now all of a sudden they can erase everything. And Rick Pitino figures out his team. The guy knows what he's doing. And then I, I also think it's league play. And most league games are going to be like this. McCall, winning is hard, right? <laughs> I'm not going to go there this early in the show. Okay? I'm not, I'm, I'm, and I'm going to be Mr. Positive. And you know how I always am. Um Winning is hard, but I, I said this the other night, and, and, and I want to go back on this statement because, you know, when you saw the environment in there tonight, and I, and I made the comment just about playing a conference game right before Christmas break, and where's your mind at? And as a coach, you know, if you bring in, you know, a low major team, if you're, if you're, if you're bringing in a bye game, you're very concerned about where your team is at mentally. You're very concerned. But you're playing a conference game, versus Rick Patino and St. John's, and you have them in your own arena, everybody's locked in. And that environment was unbelievable tonight. And that's the last game before Christmas break. If you're Danny Hurley, those guys, they can go on Christmas break, and everybody has a good break. They won the conference game after they lost the other night. So I go back on my statement the other night, like, you're better off playing a game like that. 
right before Christmas than having a bye game where you're concerned about where's your team at mentally. Um, you know, I, I think, first of all, the spread was 11 and a half in the game, which to me is crazy without clinging. You have Rick Pitino on the other sideline. I mean, that, that, that is, that's unbelievable. Um, they didn't shoot the ball well from the perimeter, but they found a way to win the game. I mean, the bottom line and coach Hurley's teams are going to defend. They're going to play with tremendous effort. Um, you know, uh, like Doug said, who, who's that dude? Who, who are you putting the ball in their hands with the game on the line? But they found a way to win the game without a starting five man who protects the rim. And they're going to have to learn how to play with him because it sounds like he could be out here for not a significant period of time, but he's going to be out for, you know, some more games. And they just got to find ways to win games without him. Um, and that's what they did tonight. And, you know, St. John's, are they the cream of the crop in the Big East? No. Do they have one of the greatest coaches in the history of college basketball? Yes. Who's going to inspire, who's going to figure out his team, who continues to figure out his team. And that 11 and a half point spread today was like, are you kidding me without their five man? And that was a high level Big East basketball game, which is what the Big East is going to be. And it's it's going to come down to the little things who makes plays coming down the stretch of games, 50-50 balls and all things like that. And UConn found a way to do that and close the game out. And that's the most important thing. Here's the thing, Rob, and, and Matt, you tell me if you agree or disagree. You know, a lot of times, and this is why the net and any sort of statistical ranking of a team doesn't actually equate and compute, okay? Because – Everybody, you're different at every time of the year. And so take St. John's for a second. Like right now, despite the fact they haven't been great in the non-conference, it's a whole new life. Like we're all in, coaches figured it out, got a rotation. Now, if this exact same game is played with, again, without clinging in February and say St. John's is three and 10 in league, different ball game, different ball game, because you got guys that are, they're already in the portal, even if they're not in the portal. They're already checked out, you know? And right now, UConn was coming off of getting thumped. You know, they're like, man, are we any good? And St. John's, probably a little bit of blood in the water, knowing what happened to UConn the other night and no clinging, and the fact that they have new life. So I think all of these things are true. Again, that doesn't excuse a team for not playing as well as they should or losing a game, whatever. But it, what it does is it gives context to a game. And, I mean, one of the best things about UConn is here we are December what, – what day is it? Is today the 23rd? 23rd? 23rd, yeah. Right? And great atmosphere. Okay? You don't always get a great atmosphere on those games. Part of it is St. John's. Part of it is Patino. Part of it is they won the national championship. Uh, that one was Hartford tonight, right? So, mm-hmm. I mean, that, that, was a, that, was, that was a good atmosphere. So, you can't blame the fact that, you know, it's half full. It was good energy. They didn't shoot the ball well. Five of 18 from three. We mentioned Klingon, only one block shot, okay? And St. John's had great energy because they still actually think, I mean, all we got to do is beat a couple of these top teams and now we can get in the NCAA tournament. That's legitimately how it's going to work. So I think time of year sometimes can work in your favor or can change the complexion of a game. And I think that's in addition to the Klingon injury, the loss earlier this week, but St. John's still believing because they don't have to cancel the rest of their season yet is at least a, a partial factor as to why. Yeah, we've kind of tiptoed around it. Klingon is going to be out for three to four weeks. 
Um, and if you look at UConn's schedule, that means that best case scenario will probably be back for uh, Georgetown at home, more likely Wednesday, January 17th. Uh, Creighton at home in the interim. UConn is going to play DePaul uh, the day after New Year's, January 2nd. So they got a nine day layoff. Then they get Butler away, Xavier away, and Georgetown at home. So it's not honestly the soft worst start. stretch. For, That's yeah. a soft it's start not- to their schedule. Yeah, if you look at the end of their schedule, their last six games are Marquette at home, Creighton away, Villanova at home, Seton Hall at home, Marquette away, Providence away, which is – that's one way to end a, end a, a conference play. Um, one question I do have, um, and I think we kind of touched on the the issues with Klingon and, and him being out. I mean, it's good. Samson's got to step up. Uh, Yusuf Smagari has got to be – uh, capable of coming in and, and playing like five to ten minutes, and I think we're going to see some Alex Caravan at the five here for stretches as well. Um, my big question with UConn is that we are not seeing good shooting out of this team so far. They are uh, 33% from three on the season. They were five for 18 tonight. Part of it is good shooters like Alex Caravan aren't really making shots. Part of it is solo ball uh, has not been the guy that we thought he was going to be coming in. And I do kind of – I saw a stat going around the other day. They get more – wide open threes than anybody uh, at the high major level by 25%. So they average about 15 wide open threes per game. And the next best high major team is 12 wide open threes per game. And they're shooting uh, about 32% of those threes. So just real quick on, on that. Is this something where it's fixable? Is that something where teams have kind of figured out, hey, we want to let those guys shoot? Or is this just eventually it's going to regress to the mean? Doug, why don't you take that first and Matt? Uh, I, I think it's it's a matchup thing. I mean, you, we mentioned that, you know, you got Samson Johnson. I mean, he had that – you guys saw that naked side ball screen where he took – was it four steps, Rob, or was it five? I mean, it was – it was, it was, it was about I seven. I cannot believe – I can't believe it wasn't called trap. But the point is that there was literally nobody home because that's how you play UConn, right? You hug up to their shooters, okay, and if they throw it in the post, they throw it on a slip, like we'll live with that. Um, and you, you lost – one of the great shooters in college basketball from, from last year. But, but I think, is it fixable? Yeah, you mentioned it, right? You put Caravan at the, at the five. And now all of a sudden, you got to guard all five spots. It's really hard. Um, the problem with that is now you have zero rim protection. You know, so you got you to gotta do fainting goat defense at the rim and take charges. So you're going to put <laughs> out one fire. 2024, there's no you're charges gonna, anymore. I know. Nobody calls charges, so nobody takes them. Uh, you just got to jump and do verticality, uh, but but you you you're going to put out one fire and start another one. So yeah, it, it's going to be an issue. They are not as good a shooting team, but I think there, there's there, there's a couple different parts to it. Uh, the first is that again, you mentioned you got some young players. I don't care how good a shooter. Very few guys as freshmen come in and shoot the ball well. They just don't. Just the reality to it. The more reps you get, the more time you get in the gym, the more comfort you get, the more the game slows down. So when you're when you're throwing out there two true freshmen at times, like they did tonight with Ball and uh, and and Castle, like you're just not going to shoot the ball great. Um, additionally, people are hugging up to them. I still think people struggle to guard their stuff because they really move it and they have a lot of different false motions and movement to it. Um, and I think that you know you're trying to figure out one end or the other. And, and Danny knows that you're going to win based upon your defense, even if the offensive adjustment will help you look better and look at, make it look prettier, it's ultimately going to hurt you on defense. And I don't think this team has, is that as dynamic as last year's team 
uh, at either end that he thinks he can get away with being bad on defense. So I, I think some of it is lineup specific as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I agree with Doug on that too. You know, um, there was a play in tonight's game when Samson Johnson got a dunk off a single side pick and roll. And you could tell clearly with Donovan Klingon being out of the game, I mean, Rick Patino and his staff said, hey, look, we're taking threes away. There was a wide open single side pick and roll where there's three guys on the weak side of the floor and they just gave up the dunk because they're holding up to those shooters. There was no, like, where was the protection coming from? And I mean, I wrote it in my notes. For John's was like, man, they just gave up a dunk. Where's the protection coming from on that single side pick and roll? And then it's like, wait, they're hugging up on those shooters. They're not going to give up threes. And that's, you can clearly tell with Donovan Klingon being out of the game that that's Rick Patino's game plan. Like, look, we're fine giving up twos. We're not fine with giving up twos, but if we give up a two, that's fine. We're not going to give up threes. And that's why those guys are all pressured out on the shooters and there was no help. The tag should have came from the bottom guy and the protection on the weak side and it wasn't there. So I, I don't think it's a thing to be concerned about. Um, I, I think, you know, Coach Hurley runs great stuff. They get open threes. I think they're going to continue to get open threes. They didn't shoot a great percentage today. They've made threes on the year throughout the course of the season, and there's a lot of basketball left to be played. So to be concerned about three-point shooting, I think with Donovan Klingon out, though, that's what teams are going to do. Take away threes. Let's make this game. You know, we're going to play it in the 60s. Let's see if we can hold them. If But we cannot give up threes because if we do, then it's going to be a long time.